Welcome to the game with Glenn Quartermain and Adrian Barrage. Quarter's a veteran footy scribe with hands so small he can only carry two pints. And Barra, an Eagles original, Perth Demons diehard and regular face on Channel 7. Hello, Adrian Barrage here from 7 News. He'll tell you about the 1991 grand final, except he got dropped after the prelim. We don't promise any fancy sound effects or bells and whistles. It's just two blokes talking football. Yes, and welcome to the Quarters and Barra podcast. I am Glenn Quartermain, the Chief Sports Writer for the West Australian. With me is Adrian Barrich, Channel 7 legend, former West Coast Eagle, and now Perth Football Club president. We are brought to you by Tab Touch, Betty or Bet with Tab Touch. But please gamble responsibly if you have any issues, call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858. Eight. We are one round into the AFL season, and Barra, we have got a lot to unravel. No doubt, mate. I'm just listening to your voice there. Somebody said to me that you had a coronavirus, and I thought that was code for you've been on the beers again because you, you love you do love a beer, my friend. But um, I've I've a sense that maybe you actually have got COVID. Have you? Is that what, is that what it is? Is that what's happened? Well, I yes, I have. I am doing the podcast through isolation at home. I wake up this morning. Morning and um, didn't feel too flash, so I did test myself positive to um, the virus. It's the second time. Oh, it's it's your look, kids. I'm, I'm okay, it must, must be your kids, mate, is it? I, I, I've put it down to all the big concerts in Perth because everybody seems to be getting it again. <laughs> but um, Well, the main thing is it's common sense. You stay away from work until you're asymptomatic. I'm certainly symptomatic, but I'm okay. And, um, you know, it's easy. It would be horrible if it was two years ago and you have to isolate. But um, at the moment, um, I'm okay, mate. All right. So we've been hit by COVID, but we're ploughing on, my friend. What do you got for us? Let's just open with all the talk about the West Coast Eagles. It was obviously wasn't a great start to the season, a five-point loss to North Melbourne at Marvel Stadium on Saturday. It wasn't a great brand of footy that the Eagles produced, um, let's be honest, but Gee, I tell you what, Adam Simpson absolutely copped it, um, particularly on the footy shows last night. I'll, I'll read out a couple of lines to you. And these are all from Gary Lyon. Inoffensive, an outdated style of footy, only good at one thing, losing, brand being damaged, and referred to them as the Rest Coast Eagles, suggesting that um, his job was certainly on the line uh, despite being contracted for two more years. What are your thoughts, Barra? Have, has he gone a bit too hard too early? Oh, has he ever? Um, mate, just just get your helmet on here, mate, because I'm a bit disappointed in Gary Lyon. I'm a big fan of Gary, Gary Lyon. But, and I was there when we used to play against him, and I, I saw some of the things that happened to Chris Lewis. So we, I'm probably still carrying a few scars from those days as well. But, mate, he's a bit, he's gone way over the top, Gary. Honestly, what are you doing? And they need to do some research, the boys. Adam Simpson has three years to run on his contract. You know that, Quarters. I know that. Three years to run his contract. You know what that Including means. Including this year, yeah. You know yeah. what that means, don't you? He basically cannot be sacked. I mean, the way the soft cap is set up and, all, and the way you have to pay out coaches nowadays, it's almost impossible to do. So unless the next bloke who comes in is going to be on two cents, which would be someone like, you know, Nathan Buckley or Dean Cox or Don Pike or Jamie Graham, you know, there's that many options uh, out there for West Coast. So he needs to get that straight. 
And I thought I thought they had a crack. In the second half, I thought West Coast really dug deep and found something. Some of the kids really showed something. The veterans got going. Um, Sheed and Shuey and co. Oscar Allen looked good. I'm not sure that he doesn't understand this is where they're at. This is where they're at at West Coast at the moment. And maybe the second quarter, you could sort of draw some... Uh, comparisons there with what was going on last year, but three quarters of for three quarters of the game they were fighting it out, and to say that they didn't show the flag or hardly raised a flag, that's completely wrong. And rest Coast Eagles, I mean, I, I don't reckon it would happen to a Victorian club. I'd love to see him come out against you know one of the Victorian clubs and say that. Say Hawthorne were much worse, Brisbane were much worse, the Gold Coast were much worse. You know, where's the bullets being fired there? Gary, do some research, my friend. Yes, very, very hard, um, Barra. I think one of the points he did raise, look, I, I agree with you to a point. I thought they were very good in the second, not very good, but they were better in the second half. They kicked eight goals to five in the second half. So there's an improvement there. I think the fact they were 37 down on contested footy on the back of a two-win year was not great. I looked at that first half and I thought, that is not a, a team wanting to rebound from a from a bad uh, to win year but you know I guess Gary's entitled to his opinion he's paid um, to play that role in the media and um, we'll, we'll, we'll get on to the West Coast North Melbourne game in a little bit when we, we um, break apart all the games the other big um, issue over the weekend Barrow was high hits so, or the concussion tax if you like we've got to ask the question did the AFL get it right so Cosy Pickett's got two weeks for his high hit on Bailey Williams Lance Franklin a week for a hit on Sam Collins and Shane McAdam will front the AFL tribunal over his hit on Jacob Weir. We'll probably get three weeks, I would suggest. I think the AFL's just about got this one right, Barra. I think given the commentary that was swirling around concussion and class actions in the lead-in, the AFL needed to make a statement early. They needed to make a statement in round one saying, we're not going to tolerate this, the head is sacrosanct. They have failed to do this in the past, but I reckon they got it just about right this year. Had they given Cosy Pickett three weeks plus, I'd be comfortable with him getting three weeks plus for that, by the way. But had they done that, he probably would have taken it to the tribunal. And because there was a – the action wasn't great, but there was more chest and chin in that action, I reckon, he was a chance to actually get off that charge. And then the outcry would be huge. So I reckon the AFL has probably said, let's let's go with the two weeks, mm. send the message out that way. Lance Franklin, I thought that was a, a low act from Buddy. I thought um, there's no room for it. Could have caused serious damage. Went off on the HIA – HIA came back on Sam Collins, but the game was well won. There was no need for it. I just think when you say when you say low act though, um, I I want to check you on that one because I grew up in that era where bumping and shirt fronts was commonplace, and that that, there was never a low act at that stage. In fact, it was heroic. Um, And I didn't actually think well. I got Mitch Robinson came out after Shane McAdams' bump, and he said, "That's just a part of footy. I bloody love it." You know, that's that's where the era were coming out of. I think the thing to take into account, quarters, is that there wasn't any head contact, or there's no concussions that came out of those incidents, and probably Jesus, there was head contact. There was head contact, though. Certainly, Sam Collins, there was. But I'm, what I'm saying is, none of them have, are going to miss next week because of concussion, is there? I mean, the, the Shane McAdams. Well- and that's where we're coming from, isn't it? You can't. I don't think you can take the bump out of the game. I know Simon Goodwin's now come out and said that he's told his players that that's it, the bump's dead. And we have heard that before. But 
It is a good part of the game, and I'm not ready to boycott it. Um, I think when you cross the line and you're playing a game like this, you know what you're getting into. There were some strange things. Shane McAdam, I don't know what he was doing. It was like he was in the WWE. He launched himself. It was like a flying mm. bump. I don't know why he did it. And, and the same with Cozzy. It was kind of something's happening out there that is forcing the players to think maybe they need to do a bump or maybe they need to exert themselves. Um, I would pull back on it, but I didn't think I didn't really think it was that horrible. I know that David King and a few other commentators have been going ballistic about it, but I'm I'm with you. I think they got it just about right in terms of the penalties. Yeah, I think they got it just about right, but I think we now need to punish the action um, without a necessary consequence. And while I agree with you that I don't want to see the bump taken out of the game. But And you referred to the era when you played. I agree with that. But this is a new era, Barrett. We have so much more medical science now. We know so much more about concussion. So if the AFL doesn't get serious about eradicating head-high contact out of the game, we're going to lose another generation of footballers underneath. There'll be kids whose parents don't want them to play. And I know that's not an overreaction. That is out there and that is happening. So we need to look at this. Yeah, look, I'll I'll go along with that in terms of, I think it's being driven by legal for legal reasons. I think the AFL is really on. Get That's crack- a large component of it, and, and it's just what happened in the NFL. They they just followed suit and going, wow, we better clean this up. And the NRL is doing the same thing. But I will back you up on the junior footy thing. I bumped into a lady today at the cafe. She's helping run the Subiaco Juniors. She said numbers are down, and her theory was that not scaremongering, but the constant talk about concussions and about head injuries is filtering into junior sport and a lot of the mums are saying you know what I think my son's going to play soccer and so the soccer mums are taking over now I don't know what you think about that quarters but I think we all as an industry have to have a look at that and just consider where we're going with it and and the scaremongering I say to those 130 blokes that are coming forward trying to sue the AFL think about the future of the game too and think about the damage I know it's important your own physical situation and I understand if financially you need to make these statements but you know, let's let's have some moderation. Let's have some considered. I was talking to Ben Cousins about it during the week, and he said I'd like to have a brain scan. I mean, I get that. Uh, you know, brain scans is a different thing, but saying that you've got a permanent injury and that maybe you did wish you didn't play footy and they should be protected more. I mean, what are we doing? This is the industry, isn't it? Uh, quarters. Uh, are we going to sink our own industry? No, it's a contact sport, but. And, we, and it always remains so. But I think the, the information we now have, you can, it can be a contact physical sport without the head being involved, Barrett. That's the thing. I think we've got to – and it, it, you're right. It's all about the court action through the reaction of the AFL. I don't really care what, where they're coming from with it. I reckon the best thing is is that we're having grown-up discussions about it. And I think if parents can see and kids can see um, the direction the AFL is taking, football is taking, where the head is sacrosanct, I think that will be more beneficial down the track than us just ceasing talking about it, you know, or, or mo- even moderating. I think we need to have this conversation as often and as uh, and as loudly as possible. But, no, but I think, it, isn't it, you've got kids, you've got sons. Uh, mm-hmm. My son's just done his MCL. He's out for 10 weeks. We were so flat during the week. The col- on the eve of the yeah. Colts season. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, he's, he's gone down. So injury is a part of the game. But I think it's different at the professional level to be what's happening with the kids. The kids, let's do everything we can to protect them, to put them in bubble wrap, whatever we've got to do. 
but you do have to not try to make that jump and say which a lot of people are saying think of the kids you know we're not we don't need to think of the kids we will protect the kids it's about the the senior men who are taking adult decisions to play the game and it's going to be like that for time immemorial i mean boxing's still going on the nrl's still going on the nfl's going on we just got to find that right pitch in terms of how we protect our players and prove what damage is being done um be fascinating in round two barry to see how players approach contests and whether they do choose to tackle for the most part they did in round one you know we are talking mm. about mainly three incidents but for the most part it was pretty good have you seen the There's nrl another... did you watch the nrl on the weekend like how many did, anything that went near the yeah. head any any contact near the head penalty bang 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 yep. bang yep. They're so they're trying on. to educate the players listen mate you go high you're going to get penalized and that's what you have to do with footballers you have to hit them over the head a few times and they go you know what we'll slap them on the wrist so to speak to, so they, they get educated on that. And I guess that's what the tribunal did this week, or that's what um, yeah, Michael absolutely. Christian did. Michael Christian, the MRO, did, yeah. Um, another issue at the weekend was the MCG surface. Now, we saw a number of venues, the Adelaide Oval, Optus Stadium, uh, coming up this week. Uh, the MCG affected by that concert. Chris Scott was unhappy. Tom Stewart um, has done a knee. Now, fortunately, it's not a long-term knee injury. But you can see when he landed, he did slide on that uh, replaced turf. So they did a really good job with that turf. But <clears throat> we've really got to, got to get to the point where, you know, a week out from the footy, um, we can't be having these major um, stadium venue concerts because the footy is the major tenant. It is the major well, well, tenant cricket, of Well, cricket stadiums. would probably, probably have an argument with that, but yeah. No, it wouldn't. Footy goes it's much called, longer. It's called the Melbourne more. Cricket Ground quarters. <laughs> I, I know, but let's be honest about let's be honest. There's more traffic through footy than there is through cricket. Through and Optus venue. Stadium, can you imagine the money for seventy three thousand people at Optus? Can you imagine the money there? So, I don't know. I think we all have to fit into this world. I reckon Chris Scott was clutching at straws in terms of the distraction for the loss. I'm pretty sure that's why he tossed that up. That's what they do, mate. Coaches are smart. They they pull an incident in or something to take. You, you look at Damien Hardwick. He had a draw. He said, I loved the fact that Ed Sheeran was playing. I was at the concert. I don't give a continental about the surface. I think it's fine. So i got to take it with a grain of salt. Generally with coaches, mate, it's it back self-interest. There's no question about that. Yeah, Kevin Sheedy was an absolute master of it. And later in his footy career, um, coaching Michael Malthouse was used oh, to reel out his one-liners. So he'd, go like, he'd go like this. Watch this, boys. Watch this. Pikey, come over here. Watch this. Watch this. Pikey. I'm going to wrap up Pikey's uh, wrist, and they're going to think he's got a busted wrist. <laughs> Media. Enemy. That's what Mick would say to the boys. So, We're mate, just enemy, be careful. You know that. Just be careful with the old coaches, my friend. They're classics. <laughs> so the Eagles, as we were saying before, not a great performance, but Eagle Air. So they, this was the first um, instalment of this. Um, they've got room on their chartered planes now for 70 people to pay for their fares. They have 70 supporters, if you like. I think they've had 30 on there at their first return flight, including the Jinbi family. So good luck to them. They seem to think, think it, would, it went pretty well. I think the Dockers did a similar thing, but only had their corporates on the flight. So uh, what, I think the Eagles game started at 4.40 Melbourne time and they were able just to have, have a pretty casual post game and then they were home by quarter to 11. So 
It's pretty smart. Oh, the flexibility is magnificent for players and the fact that they all get big seats and they might be able to get out of bench and have a rub down. They might be able to wear ice packs. The only ice we had when I was playing was in our drinks, you know, because Malthouse had this thing where if we won, we were allowed to drink. So we won a lot in that era. So it was just, it was unbelievable. You blokes always won on the road, Barra, because, yeah, you're allowed to drink. Yeah, that's right. It's a great motivating factor. But what I was going to say is that I think that trip is probably not a litmus test because they did well. They just fell short. They probably could have pinched it. There was a bit of a contentious umpiring decision at the end, a deliberate out of bounds. You know, so there was a lot of excuses for the Eagles fans. And they were very, first up, they were very polite and very respectful of the players. I believe the trip back last year from Geelong, when they got absolutely pounded and it was the end of a terrible season, was quite the opposite. And they were getting quite a lot of direct feedback from from the punters about how they've been travelling. And you know what? Sometimes that's good. Sometimes you're so insulated when you're a player that you don't actually see the impact of your poor performance on your fans. And if you get exposed to them like that, it does. it is a dry, motivating factor. You go, geez, I've let the people down here, haven't I? And they think I'm so-and-so. I'm, I'm definitely going to dig deep. And maybe it works for a couple of weeks. But anyway, that's, that's the future. There's no doubt that flexibility in the flights is the key. Quarters. Three three recycled coaches, one new coach, Barra. Clarko, Lyon, Brad Scott, Adam Kingsley all had wins. And how much was Ross Lyon smiling? It was actually incredible. Was it going around the Michaela, going around the boundary? We know Mick. Uh, we know um, Ross. He's a lot like Mick. That was that, quarters. That was unbelievable, wasn't it? He was so happy that he towed up his old club, but also he, he was back in town. He was the man. He was Ross the boss. And his game plan was still applicable. He snuffed out. I mean, I hate to say this, but he probably outcoached Justin Longley, I suppose. Justin said they scouted it. They knew what was going to happen. He was going to play this up-tempo style of play. This is how they were going to defend. But he couldn't defeat it. And he was let, probably let down by his forwards mostly. But still, they had, they had 61 inside 50s. And they took five marks. No, eight marks inside 50. Eight marks from 61 entries. It's not very good. And I think Jai Amos has got to be knocking on the door. I reckon he'll give them one more shot against North Melbourne at Optus and see if they can bounce back. They got pumped by St Kilda last year and in round two. I remember being very despondent then and thinking, where are they going? But they, they rebounded. I think they can rebound. But Amos, uh, even Johnson in the midfield... Um, maybe even Brennan Cox goes forward because he can take a mark and they bring in Joel Hamling and he, he plays in his role. Um, I think they've got to start looking at that sort of stuff if they lose to North Melbourne. Yeah, I, I think they need to – we just need to hold our horses a little bit. And It's only round one. Let's see what happens in round two. Stick with that forward line structure. Let's see what they can do with it. Uh, fast, flowing footy, Barra. Um, apart from the bookends like Carlton, Richmond and Frio St Kilda, it was a fast-flowing um, round of footy. Average four, 54 inside 50s. Eight teams went over 60. I think one of them was Frio, and they didn't get much reward because of the way um, St Kilda forced them wide and entering their forward 50. But I think that's good for the competition. And it was interesting. I don't think we we had the four umpires for the first time. I don't think there were, the free kicks were, were slightly down, I believe, on average. So. Yeah. Um, and the umpire's um, distance covered was down, which is what they wanted. So a bit of a tick there. Um, who were your winners? Who, who was your big winner and who was your big loser for the weekend, Barra? In terms of the teams, in terms of the teams, mate, there were some st- stunning performances. Collingwood, 
I mean, I didn't want to bring it up for you, great man, because you've got him out of the eight, but um, Collingwood... You're feeling a little bit nervous about that one, to be honest. Right nervous? Now. Holy crap, it's all over, mate. Don't feel nervous. It's It's been mm. done. I think you just have to come out now and say, look, the Pies will probably play finals. They'll probably be top four from what they showed. And Dacos, I know what you were saying about him not getting tagged, but Nick Dacos was outstanding. Josh Dacos is the best wingman in the game. Degoe was absolutely on fire. He's about to go to the next yeah, level. Yeah, to the next level. I reckon he'll be. Is he going to join, sit there now in the ranks of Dusty and co? I think he might. He could, yeah. I reckon you're right. And Tommy Mitchell was the distributor as you anticipated. So that was a tricky one. I give you credit for Port Adelaide. You were spot on there. They are better than I thought. And they actually pants Brisbane, which who were the big disappointments, I reckon, of the weekend. Probably Brisbane. The fact yeah, I agree. That with that midfield they had, and they, they couldn't stop it. They got obliterated. Kitty Coleman got shirt front, and I think he went down. But Rosie, how, how good is he becoming? Butters, Horn Francis. I'm, I had a few doubts on Horn Francis, thinking, oh, is he a big head? He left the club. What's he doing? He was phenomenal. He was like Patrick Dangerfield, a young Patrick Dangerfield with some of the stepping moves he was doing. What did you think? I think he was. Um, I thought he was terrific. We'll get to games just in a moment. For me, I thought the Western Bulldogs were really disappointing. But on the other hand, Melbourne, um, as I anticipated, probably the pick of the teams for me, given their opponents and the way they went about winning. But the two biggest disappointments, I thought, weren't the WA teams. It was the Queensland teams. Brisbane, after halftime, pathetic. And Gold Coast. Now, yes, they're coming up against a talent-laden Sydney side that made the grand final last year. This is a home game. This is opening your season. This is on the back, and their injury runs okay. And this is on the back of the summer, and that's what you throw up. I thought it was pathetic from the Suns, and they've had the first-round draft picks. They've had the levers pulled by the AFL to make them competitive. Start showing us something, Gold Coast, because I thought that was pathetic. Stewie Jew, he would be um, – I mean, I know Gary Lyon targeted um, Adam Simpson, but i give you the tip. Stewie Jew's the first one, first neck on the chopping blocks as we speak. Um, and then, so, and then so Brisbane, just, mate, if Brisbane – I mean, I think they'll bounce back. I, I, I'm confident with that midfield that – They'll, they will come storming back. But I tell you what, if they don't, then their coach is under the pump too after well, they, fell, fell the short on, last year. They've got the Ds on Friday night, the Gabba. So it's not an easy task. So just looking at the games, Frio v St Kilda, I thought just a couple of points. The forward line misfired at Frio. We know that. Fife didn't work. Tabernet didn't work. I thought the best forwards were probably the small forwards, Schultz in particular. Tracy had no impact. But what I'd like, obviously it wasn't helped by this, the way the ball was coming in, a point which Alex Pierce made post-game, a point which Justin Longmuir made post-game. But you've still got to lead with intent, and I don't think the forwards were leading with intent. Um, the ball lived in the back half, obviously, so we saw, I think, six of the eight highest possession winners were all in the back half. As for St Kilda, classic Ross Lyon coaching, set up beautifully defensively, Got numbers back, so the Frio forwards had nowhere to go. I thought they, it, it was defined by, you know, uh, Wilkie in defence and Sinclair's run. D- don't forget, they were missing eight probably mm. first-choice players, including King and Membry. So their attack was 
But really, they're, they're, I mean, they were. They did have eight out or nine, I think. I think by the end of the game, Ross Liner said they had nine good players out and thirty percent of his salary cap. But you go through those players, and you, those two you mentioned would be the only two that I'd be sort of concerned about at all. So he probably had two good players missing. So he's talking it up, but. Frio, I, I'm just not sh- – I'm just – you give me your opinion. Their game style now, towards the end of last year, their game style wasn't exactly what they needed in the finals and it didn't quite work. And it seems like – and Ross actually said it – it seems like they've got the same game style. They've tweaked a little bit. But he, he kept saying, Ross Lyon, we looked at the Collingwood game. We focused on that final. We saw how Collingwood beat them. We copied them. And he basically did the same thing. So I'm just a bit worried about that marking style that they've got. They're, they're a bit ponderous. They take a lot of marks. And then they can't penetrate. And, and the game now seems to be fast-paced oh, through the middle. So maybe they have to oh, bring in Walker and those sort of guys that are out of the team who've got extra pace and just throw that in there because – I think Jordan Clark was fantastic in the first half. He probably started getting a bit of cramp because it was very hot. But this, the game style is just too much marking. And Fifey's never going to be a great shot at goal, is he? So if he's not close to goal, you can't can't say that he's going to – and that's not going to change. It's very hard. I was talking to um, the great man Murray Cooper about goal kicking, and he said you can't – it's very hard. Chris Main improved his – technique and his style but it's very hard at that part of your career to turn that around so I was very surprised that Fife didn't get a run in the middle uh, in the last yes, quarter when they were falling point. behind like, would you have thro- so you would have thrown him into the middle yeah, of the yeah, last you quarter. have to give him a, the young blokes are under the pump you have to give him a bit of a crack I think and particularly if he's not in the game it seemed like they took him off the ground rather than put him into the middle there's no use trying to hide the great man he's a dual Brownlow medalist you know he's going to give everything Maybe throw him in there. I mean, it's easy to be smart in hindsight. And if they beat North Melbourne, okay, we sort of temper everything. But in the first game, it was it was it was quite disappointing. I'd have to say. I want to see a bigger sample size before I do yeah, that. I think cool. putting him into the midfield when you've spent the entire summer and towards the end of last year building a forward line around him. I'm not sure if that was the option. I know what you're saying. You break glass and put him in there when the time's right, but. I'm not sure. Well, the problem, is, the problem is they lost. So you've mm. got to do something when you're losing. You have to do something. If it's not sending Brennan Cox forward because he was marking everything and maybe pinching a couple of goals and trying to cover at the back, you know, uh, you've got to do something, don't you? Quarters? Jeepers. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. West Coast, North Melbourne, five points. Um, North Melbourne to the better. I thought Shuey tried to carry the team over the line on his shoulders. Um I thought Herm was very good. McGovern, um, Sheed um, probably gets needs to get a little bit, a few more clearances. But Sheed was okay. Ryan gave him a bit with three. Oscar Allen. If you're looking at a half glass full, I think Oscar Allen two goals, first game in a year, only one mark inside fifty, but still looked he looked like he was gaining confidence as the game went on. Um, Jack Darling won three. They were telling misses. Could easily have been a win for West Coast had he been more accurate. And I want to point out Ruben Jimby or the debutants. I think Long got better as the game wore on. Mm-hmm. Chester will be better for the hit out. Um, Hunt gave him bits in patches, but I want to see a bit more. Uh, but I thought Jimby was the pick of them, not only for his um, – when he does have the footy. Had a lot of tackles. Had 15 12, possessions. 12 tackles. Yeah, he's not – and I guess he's not really there for the tackling. So you've got to, so you've got to contrast it with Sheasel. Unbelievable game. Oh, one of the great debuts. Yeah, one of the all-time great debuts. And 
He could have been an eagle. They, they decided to split their pick and they would have been able to get Sheasels and they probably would have taken him. So now you've got to think, well, give, Jinby is good and we also got um, Elijah oh, I'm Hewitt. Not worried about, I'm not worried about their early draft picks. I reckon Jinby's a ripper. I want to see him use that left foot. Yeah, but when when Sheasel wins the the rising star, you be you will there will be a little tinge of you know what he could have been an eagle, and he looks like anything as well. He was so he was so classy. (coughs) He might have a bit of uh, uh, Will Ashcroft at Brisbane. What showed showed glimpses at the weekend, but he'll be putting his hand up for that one as well. Um, and what's going and on thought, with Barras? We need to discuss that because mm. in the preseason he, he he did struggle a bit. He Fogarty got hold of him in the Adelaide game. I think when McGovern's there, McGovern gets to play the the basically the the standoff role, and and Barras has to man up. It's not his favourite position. When Gov's not there, he looks like a genius because he gets to read the play and can take a great mark. But when he has to man up, like he did, and I think that's the second time that uh, Lakey's got a hold of him. And, yeah, last year, round two, I think. Yeah, and so it's a, a little bit of a concern there about, like, because I was talking to a couple of the young blokes about who in at the Eagles is in career best form. Like, I, I, I don't think there is. It's a very, very good point. Is there anyone? No, that, I don't think anyone is. I mean, Liam Ryan almost, I suppose, and McGovern, if he's fit. Barras was the other one, but. But, but something's happened now. That's, they're either too young or they're too old. And the blokes in between are struggling to, to be what they want them to be. And it's that inverted U-shape. It's supposed to go the other way. It's supposed to be a hump. You're supposed to have the young blokes at the bottom pointing up to a to the top of the U where all the, the mid-range guys are. They're driving the club and then the old blokes are on the other side. And you can't flog the young guys. You can't flog the old guys. The mid guys you can flog and you, they, they drive the club. The Eagles are the other way around. There's no one in that middle. They've got good young kids. They've got good old blokes. But really, you can't pump get anything more out of them. There's nothing more to give. And the mid are struggling. I thought David Uniak, he was, was sensational too. He's, he's uh, maybe, maybe he's arrived. It's yeah. been a bit of a slow burn with him. But yeah, good call. Uh, just quickly, Barry, we better talk about uh, the other games. Um, unfortunately, on Sunday, Hawthorne did play a game of football. 59-point loss to Essendon. Well done to Brad Scott in his return to coaching. Um, I was interested in his comments too, Barra, post-game. He was a bit surprised when he arrived at Essendon in that the standards, he said, They've got a fair way to go to be a professional football team. Hawthorne, it's going to be a, a year, as we expected. Not going to be a lot of Ws, but a lot of hope. Warple Ward, Day, very good. Sicily and Hardwick down back, but impressive opening, isn't it? Hey, you grab a water, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll pick up what you were talking about with Hawthorne because um, you, you are spot on about the Hawks. It, it almost Apologies for that, mate. Apologies for that. Was, that was the Hawthorne that choked me up there. Yeah, yeah, that's right, mate. Because you know, well, it's gonna it's gonna be every week, mate. So we better get uh, a lot of lozenges. Uh, GWS, one of the most oppressive winners over the weekend, Barra. Thirty-two degrees it was really really hot there. But Toby Green, four-four, first game as as full-time solo captain. Uh, his comment after the game: one of the hardest games of footy um, I've ever played, hands down. There were a couple down, a couple down through concussion and injury. Uh, so that a was couple, a really good win. A Kelly, yeah, a, a Kelly and Whit, Whit, Whitfield, and, yeah, that, yeah. and that's going to play right into West Coast hands because uh, those two are missing and Perryman did his hammy. So I think the Eagles maybe almost go in favourites against the Giants now with those three yeah, out. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah. I, um, I, I picked Adelaide and I was, I was 
pretty well home half sort of early in the Toby Green quarter, did you in that second half. He was magnificent. Tom Green, what a player. Those two is, basically, they basically wheeled them home. Everyone was cramping left, light, right and centre. The pickle juice was flying every – in our day, you know, in our day – this yeah. other, and Mercado's going, here we go, another old sto- old bloke story. But salt, we used to have salt tablets. So it was yep. actually the worst possible thing to do, <laughs> add more salt to your body. But there was some theory that it dropped the, the salt level. I don't know how it worked. But anyway, that's what we used to take, salt. Pickle juice, I don't know if they've proved that works, but it's, there was a lot of it flying around in those games quarters. There's also beetroot juice you can have now. I'm not sure what that does, but I've tried it before. Long I tell you what, if you have beetroot juice, just remember you do because when you go to the bathroom, you think you've got some major disease. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, <laughs> just a reminder. Sydney, very impressive. Sydney, very impressive events against Gold Coast. As we said earlier, Gold Coast were very ordinary. We'll probably say that Wits, Rowell, Long and Ainsworth can be excused from that, but they were, they were pathetic. But Sydney... Really, um, it was the first game back after that horrendous grand final day last year. I'll tell you who looks up and about, and that's Chad Warner. It was a breakout oh. year last year, but this year won't be a breakout. He's already there, and he this kid um, could be anything, I reckon. Dylan Stevens looked pretty good. Gee, how good a player is Errol Goulden? Um, Lloyd oh, was impressive. Errol. And Yeah, I know. I know. That's a great Mate, he's Melbourne. Uh, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say about Chad Warner that um, – so there's Chad Warner, his son, his brother's there, and there's another kid at East Fremantle. There's a third Warner. So we might see three Warners in the AFL. Very, very well, talented. They're in the family. same side, and they win. Is it a Warner Brothers production battle? <laughs> very good. And Logan McDonald. Logan McDonald, we'll yeah, find out about him this weekend because Buddy's been suspended. So, Logan, you get to step up. He at the weekend, actually. Logan, Logan played pretty well at the weekend, I thought. He had put himself, put himself in the right positions, and I felt for him when he missed the grand final last year. So, um, you know, let, he'll get his chance this week, that's for sure. Melbourne, I think, was the most impressive performer over the weekend. Um, four from Pickett, he won't play this week. Brown, four. But, gee, that Gorn-Grundy combination worked really well. We were worried. I was worried going in against that tall Western Bulldogs forward line with no May in the side. But Lever got the job done. Good to see Trent Rivers hit some form and Petrarca. Um, but the Dogs, um, it was a hiding. And, really, uh, that they're going to have to look at that forward structure. Mm. But um, they were... They were that was smacked in the midfield, and um, that's normally where they have the ascendancy. Yeah, and they definitely struggled up forward. With well, They struggled to take a mark, and in the end, our man Rory Lobb, he got injured. He needs surgery, so he'll be missing for a couple of weeks. Perhaps that's a good thing for them. They can sort of reconcile their forward line because they're a bit like Fremantle. They need to sort out their forward line. It's, it didn't work at all, and it just understated or underline just how good Melbourne is and, and that they are probably are probably Melbourne, I like Collingwood. Um, they're probably the two premiership contenders at this stage. Brisbane got beaten and Geelong got beaten. Port, uh, we mentioned the Port-Brisbane game earlier, but have to mention Jason Horn-Francis again. It's, it's the game we expected from him when he was number one draft pick. You've got to ask the question, where was this form last year? So, you know, but anyway, he's produced it. He seems happier. He, that, that midfield combination with him, Rosie and Butters, just get used to that over the next decade because it's going to be uh, prominent. Uh, good to see Junior Rioli, um, three goals and a hang, and looked happy. Looked, he's obviously trimmed down but looked happy. Um, they look pretty good, Port, at both ends. Uh, Marshall up front with four goals, Alira Lear down the back end. Um, Brisbane, really, uh, apart from Rich, Dunkley's debut was okay for them. 
Rayner was okay, uh, McKenna, but there really wasn't much to like about them. So we, we expect better things from them. So, you know, after one round, we'll, we'll just, it's a small sample size. Geelong, uh, it's, port, it's, the, port, it's Port versus Collingwood this weekend too. So yeah. it'll be interesting. Apparently, apparently Port have got some plans. It's a battle of the... Uh, the prison bars, of course. Yep. Port have got some plans for Nick Dacos, so we'll see if anyone can stop Nick Dacos because well, he to, was sensational. And I've got, I've got to talk about the rose petals at the end. How good yep. was that? I mean, they kept – I don't know if they had him in their boots the entire time, but if they yes. did and they just went out there for their granddad and the great Peter Dacos in the rooms, he dropped yeah. an F-bomb and all the rest of it, but he was so happy. I just love seeing fathers happy too, but those kids, they're special, special players. We- so we've talked about Collingwood and Geelong, but I just want to mention what a great comeback from Bobby Hill. He's had issues with testicular cancer. Great to see him come back and kick three. And by the way, if you want to announce yourself, uh, do it in front of 86,000 people at the G on a Friday night, which mm. is what he did in a, in, you know, in a fast-flowing game. Did uh, you Geelong, see that thought- stat? Hey, did you see that stat about how many big games um, Pendlebury's played in front of? They reckon that Pendlebury is played... 50 times in front of crowds over like 70 or 80,000. It wouldn't surprise times. me. 50 times. I mean, how's that? That's imagine the experience and the that I mean if you get like you were like we say and Sheeds always says it's too. Finals are worth like 10 normal games, aren't they? You know what I mean? 10 <laughs> games experience. Get the kids in there. They'll bring him on for next year. I mean, Pendle's amazing, amazing career. And I I reckon he'd probably be in their best 10. And ninety um, percent of those games as well. Yeah. The final game of the, the, the that started the round was the draw on Thursday night, Richmond v Carlton. Interesting, sixteen goals in that game, thirty-five on Friday night. So it just shows. You, I thought the skills were a little rustier on Thursday night, mm-hmm. and I thought there was a lot more pressure on. Obviously, as it would indicate, and thirty-five goals. So that free-flowing stuff on Friday night. Um, you know, people calling for the. For extra time in regular season games, please, no, thank yeah. you, only in finals. Barrow, about- we've got to move on. Right. It's now time for this. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the Thirsty Camel mailbag. It's thank you to Thirsty Camel, and on Thursday we will be giving out a $50 voucher to their fine product. We've got a bit of mail this week, Barrow, so I'll work my way through it. The first one is from Ryan and he says, hi, Quarters and Barra, big fan of your work and glad to have Barra on board. Just got a question for you guys about Fremantle's connection between the midfielders and forwards. They appear to struggle with this facet of their game against the Saints, especially in the absence of David Mundy. If this crops up again this week and appears to be a chronic problem, will there be talk of introducing a player with a precise kick, such as Hayden Young, into the midfield? Will that be worthy of consideration? Uh, P.S. I'm currently leading my tipping group and I'm looking forward to your advice this week. Well, thank you, Ryan. I am not leading my tipping group. I can give you that tip after the opening round of weekend. I think we've always been fascinated with Hayden Young, haven't we? He was tremendous, at, um, I thought, at times at the weekend too. Certainly not one of their poorer players. And, um, you know, there's all, often been talk of him moving up to a midfield role, but he's pretty important at halfback. He is, mate. He is, and he he played so well that you'd be loath. You would be loath to me, to to move him, but that is that's actually a quite quite a good comment. I'm Jager. He's finding out to be the new David Mundy. You have to be actually quite special, and I don't know if he's still carrying that ankle injury that he had, but he wasn't as strong as I was expecting him to be. And he just knew that David Mundy was going to do the job at the end of the game, and he I mean won a few games off his own boot after the siren or around siren time. So. 
Yeah, good question. Good question, and a good comment about their connection. That's that. I reckon Justin Longmuir all week will be just trying to work out eh, all this ball we're getting. We've got to be able to convert it into goals, and that's that's the magic formula. I think ball movement and connection are the two things he'll be addressing this week. This one from Connor. Hi, team. Love the new combo and certainly enjoy Barra calling everyone my friend. Yes, he does. Can't help but be bemused by Frio's selection choices and future prospects as a result. The choice of C-grade talent whose ceiling won't take us to the promised land when the list is very healthy makes little sense. The Acres trade was meant to be a move to allow high draft picks to develop in the team. Instead, Hughes, who is a depth player and known commodity at 28, got the nod over an exciting young crop. Tabs is great for what he is, but unfortunately his body will never allow for a forward line to be built around him. Amos, albeit young, has the potential to grow into something great and build the chemistry with the young forwards around him. Frio fans would prefer to see a year of growth in the young crop and potentially miss the eight than witness C-graders be just that. The tactic won't yield the cup we desire. Probably C-grade is a little bit harsh, Barra. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say, I, I would agree with that fella in terms of Jai Amos. Uh, there's no question they've got to get Amos in there at some stage. He knows how to lead. He is a proper forward. He, he's going to be the future. So I reckon get him in there. Johnson's the other one that impressed me playing for Peel on the weekend. Obviously, Sonny Walters will come through at some stage, but he didn't quite look ready. He only played sort of two and a half quarters. Liam Henry showed a bit, so I thought that was good. Yeah, Nathan, Nathan O'Driscoll will be knocking on the door. And then there's guys like Erasmus, who I've got a big rap for as well. So, yeah, I think he'll probably stay with the team, give them a second chance, see if they can beat North, get a roll on. If things come unstuck a bit, he might promote a few guys. But I think Amos, he definitely has to be looked at. Tabana, Tabana got subbed. Who's ever heard of your key forward getting subbed? So that's a bad sign if he got pulled off the ground and they put on bad. Well, they had to try something, I think, Barra late with that forward line because it just wasn't working. But what, what it said was field. what it said was that they their structure was wrong because they had Tabernar, yeah. that they had the four bigs, they didn't need him. So Fife has changed that dimension. J-Lo's got to come to grips with it. I, I presume he is because he put Banfield on. Mm, but he showed that last year, Banfield, he was able to come on and um, have been an impact player, which surprised me a bit. I was I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by his ability to do that last year. Hey, I'll so, tell you one thing. Um, you, uh, you know what? You should uh, take a big bouquet for you guys at the West. Peter Sumich has an e-mate statement. And I'll tell you what, his rankings, his player rankings, I reckon yeah, great, he really nailed it. I think there was a couple of perhaps like Jordan Clark and maybe even Sheed I sort of was a bit unsure about, but he, he, he spoke his mind. And he said what most people are trying to say. I mean, poor old Petrocelli got zero out of ten. I've never seen a zero out of ten. Fife got two out of ten. I don't think Fife has ever got a two out of ten. And probably it was that sort of game. Maybe not a two, but he was highlighting, you know, where the deficiencies are. So full credit to Summer. There are a lot of people reading that. And a lot of footy people. We were doing rankings in the late '80s for the Sunday Sun in Melbourne, Barra, and. Um, there was a final play. It might have been in 1990. There was a final played. Um, Neil Roberts, the Brownlow medalist. Yeah, yeah, I know Neil. I know, Sonny, I know his son better. <laughs> <laughs> he was, yeah, Michael. He was doing um, rankings off for Melbourne. And Steve O'Dwyer, the ruckman, uh, fell over. He did basically had a bit of a shocker and fell even injured one of his own teammates' knees at one point. Anyway, Neil Roberts sent the... Um, the rankings back, and he had Steve O'Dwyer minus two, <laughs> broke new bounds in football stupidity, and Scotty Palmer, who's the sports editor, sent it back saying, you can't give him minus two. You've yeah. got to give him something. Well, you do have to be careful of 
players' mental health and also, you know, yeah. how they feel about this stuff. So uh, Actually, interesting. But, that we've got they to, tend we've got to, to not read the paper after that, you know what I mean? That's a great segue, Barrack, because this one from Simon. Hi there, long-time listener, first-time caller. Question about the headlines in today's West, that was yesterday's West. Do you really think a headline on the front and back page about Fife is the best use of newsprint space, both in terms of everything else going on in the world and in terms of the scrutiny of an experienced footballer, but still young man who's previously voiced concerns about his own mental health? Seriously, the guy might be superhuman at times on the field, but still, still very much human off it. Love your pod. Interested in your views. Thanks very much, Simon. That's a great email. Um, I will say that um, look, when you're an AFL player, you are, you're paid good good dollar to do what you do, and um, you put yourself out there. And I guess we're entitled to be um, the voice of reason at times. So um, I have no issue with the portrayal. But I do take your point, and I think it's a very good email, Barrett. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know he was on the back page today as well with Justin Longmuir and the and the Fife experiment. So mm-hmm. I'm not but sure. That's the topic. That's the talking point at the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did a segment. I do a Barra's breakdown on Monday night on Seven News, and I, and I did focus in on on Fifey and and mm. you know how he was trying to make that transition. But my point was more that I was surprised that he didn't get a run in the midfield, and that perhaps. Um, I don't know. I, it, I just get a feeling that there's, there's something awry there between the club and Fife, and it just needs to be fixed up before they can really take a step forward. I'll tell you what headline was good was St Kildas. Did you see yeah, that one? Good, that, that, I got, we got a lot of good feedback. I was on Mix 94.5 Monday morning, and one of the hosts there, she said she absolutely loved that one, St Kildas. <laughs> Which I shouldn't laugh, but it was a pretty good headline, McCarthy, wasn't yeah, it? I Didn't you think? It. Yeah, McCarthy liked it too, mate. This one from Sam. Hi, guys. It's no secret the MRA tribunal needs a big overhaul after the Pickett, Franklin and McAdam decisions over the weekend. Would it be too simple a process for three people to get together, look at each incident and decide between that, that that incident looks like three weeks, that looks like four, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks, Sam. Um, No, I thought they actually got it pretty well right at the weekend and um, I wouldn't want three people, I think. (laughs) Then you're going to get differing views. I'm I'm just – I think it works okay. Look, I I, I think they hit – I think they pretty much sent the message they wanted to send out. Yeah, it used to be the match review tribunal, didn't it? It used to be the MRT yeah. and uh, or the MRP, yep. the panel. But now it's Michael Christian, who is a West Australian fella. He's a contemporary of mine, so he's not a young fella. So I don't know, maybe they need to upgrade, not, not having a crack at Michael here, but maybe they need to upgrade uh, to maybe a lawyer slash footballer in a bit more modern era. But... Yeah, the inconsistencies are the things that kill for, kill it for the fans. And I guess the, the, whoever writes the rules has to be very conscious of that as well. One of our favourites from last year, Barra, um, she's back. Her name's Lydia, but she goes by the non-diplume of Mrs Longmuir. Hi, Quarters and Barra. Mrs Longmuir here. Just wanted to thank you for keeping the podcast alive. I'm a bit lonely once the season starts as Justin spends all his time massaging Maddie Tabiner's calves. I don't have a question, just a comment. Although I naturally go for the Dockers, I think it's unfair for the Eagles to have to travel and start at 10.45am Perth time. Makes the trip extra hard. I think that's these just footy these days, Barra. It does make it tough when you, you're normally probably just getting out of bed. Well, actually, they'd, be, they'd probably be training during the summer, but... So it, it's sort of conditioned to do that, but it does make it hard. But I think as professional athletes now, you're pretty well ready for anything, aren't you? 
Yes, I would say that. And um, the, certainly the, the change in the flights makes it um, a lot better for West Coast Eagles, the fact that they're able to do that. Um, <laughs> i tell you what they've got a problem with, is if they don't beat the Giants, have you seen their run after that? It oh, is, yeah. It I is have. possibly the worst run in the history of the game. And two of the games, because of the, the um, what are they calling, not the magic round, what's it called? Gather round. Gather round. They have got back-to-back games in Adelaide as well. So they're actually staying in Adelaide for basically for 10 days or something like that. Can you imagine? <laughs> That's bad enough. What a well, fight. Worse, worse than after death. After the Giants, they've, they've got Fremantle in the Derby. So then Derby. they've got Melbourne, Melbourne at Optus Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they've got Geelong um, at Adelaide Oval in the gather round. So I think they're happy that they don't have to go to Cadinia Park at least for that game. Then they've got Port Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. Um, and then they have Carlton at Optus Stadium. So, and, and then, then they've got the next Richmond one, the, and yeah. then Richmond at the MCG. <laughs> yes, my friend. So then they get the Gold not, Coast. So then that's yeah. round nine. Some relief is mm. in sight. It's like a tunnel a thousand miles away with a light, and it's a train coming at you. Actually, it's not not bloody and, light at the end of the tunnel. Derby tough. Melbourne very tough. Geelong in Adelaide. Then got to play Port on their home dirt track after being in Adelaide for 10 days and having to put up with that joint for 10 days. Then they've got Galton Richmond at the MCG and then then finally Gold Coast. I'll tell you what, you've got to, just got to beat the Giants now. Got to beat the Giants. Uh, g'day, Q-Man and G-Man. This one's from Matt. Uh, from the games I saw over the weekend, the Eagles are in big trouble. Their midfield was atrocious on Saturday. Can someone, anyone, please just bend down and pick the football up? He is much maligned, but poor old Tim Kelly was the epitome, epitome of this. He looks so out of sorts. He needs to live big time. He's on big money and should be doing way more. Of all the line groups at that football club, the mids are the ones who should be most embarrassed about last season and did nothing to show that they were. It took the old stages, Huey and she, to show a little something. Though almost the biggest concern was the game plan. I saw nothing that looked new. It was the same old Eagles with Gov. Um, Tom Barras and Hearn, the only ones keeping them in in it and stopping the damn wall from breaking, just like last year. It does go on a little bit, but then it says, this has me concerned for Simo. I've been a staunch defender of his, but any more of what I saw on the weekend, it is clear to me the playing group needs a new voice. I think we probably addressed that at the outset, Barra. Yeah, was that from G Lyon of Melbourne? That was from M. Matt. Let's just call him Matt. He doesn't want his surname read out. Because, <laughs> yeah, Matty... I- Maddie, what I would say to you, my friend, is that it is what it is. And that is, I think we've explained a little bit during this podcast as to exactly where the club is at. I think as an Eagles fan, you have to come to grips with, if you are an Eagles fan, you have to come to grips with where the club is at at the moment. They are, Simo won't say it, but they are rebuilding. They are clearly rebuilding. Even last night on 7 News, I heard him say, look, you know, we might have to persevere with the young blokes, but we don't want to play them if they're not in form and if there are other guys to come in. But clearly they're going to have to get Hewitt in there. They're going to have to bring Hoff back. They're going to just have to try out all their young blokes, get as much experience as they can into them. It's not about playing finals. It's just about experience, shortening the margins, making the margins smaller, building for the future. He's got three years, so he's got time to do it before the axe will come out for him or the knives will come out. So I think everyone just has to come to grips with where the Eagles are at quarters. That's exactly where they're at. And they had a crack in the second half. That's all you can hope for. 
This one from John, High Quarters and Barra. I've heard rumours that the AMA had an emergency meeting with the AFL-associated doctors regarding concussion protocols after the recent lawsuits. Apparently, the recommendation from the AMA is to assess the players, and if they suffer a severe concussion, they can recommend the player retires immediately. So if they play on, they can't hold the doctor accountable. Any truth to this? If so, will all AFL players now need to sign waivers that they are happy with the current concussion protocols and that the AFL is not liable to any future lawsuits. I can't shed any light on that, John. It's a good email. But um, all I can say is that we are moving forward in this space. There's more medical science around it. Um, we, we know the concussion process. Even at community level, just recently, um, the West Australian Footy Commission announced that um, below the, the waffle down, that you, uh, if you suffer a third concussion in a season, the strong recommendation is that you sit that season out. So I think mm. they're going to get better. I would expect the 12, 11-step protocols that generally take place over 12 days to be stretched out. I think we'll end up with about a 20-plus uh, days, even up to 30 after a concussion um, eventually. So we, we will get there, I think, eventually. Yeah, and I think uh, it, it, will be, it will be covered in the contract. And the only thing, Quarters, you've got to take into account is if you said to a player, we don't want you to play for the rest of the year, and most of them would say, I want to play. So you just got to factor that in. It's, it's sort of not – it's not in the doctor's hands. It's really the players that are trying to play. Last one uh, from Robert. Hi, gents. Enjoy the podcast. I'm looking forward to the season. Just thought I'd add some balance to the headgear discussion. I often hear commentators say they do nothing to prevent concussion. Virginia Tech have done some extensive independent research and testing on various head protection for different sports, not just American football, worth reading, listening to. Personally, I think the AFL do not promote headgear as they don't like the look. This will give the game especially to parents wanting to choose safe options for their kids. Petition, participation rates at a junior level will drop for sure. Um, interesting uh, email, Robert. Uh, I haven't, I'm not aware of that uh, research by Virginia Tech, but I will have a look at it. As we know, I don't think concussion, concussion, headgear doesn't prevent concussion because concussion is the process of your, your brain rattling around in your skull. But it can certainly help if you if you're worried about head fractures and head um, head injuries. They're doing stuff with mouth guards now, where they measure the head trauma and all sorts of things. So they are getting there. But I'll, I'll have a look at that research and get back to you, Barra. Thanks once again. Um, thank you everyone for your mail. Please send it to Quarters and Barra. That's Barra with two R's at wanews.com.au. Please include your name and an address, and um, and please try and keep it short. This has been Quarters and Barra. We have been brought to you by Tab Touch. Please gamble responsibly. If you have any issues, call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858. Barra, what a fantastic round one of footy. Um, we look forward to talking to our listeners, and I look forward to talking to you, Barra, yep. on Thursday when we preview round two of the AFL season. Bring it on. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at quarters and barra at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. This has been The Game with Quarters and Barra.